Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Divorce happens, and COVID is not helping those couples in already stress-filled relationships. Welcome back to The Ride with your host, Chris Durow, a financial advisor who is seeing this trend in his practice. I'm Patrice Sikora. So Chris, what is going on and what can an advisor do to help clients in this situation? Thanks, Patrice. Well, as you and I were just chatting before we started hitting the record button is divorce, obviously it's unpleasant. It's actually a topic that we have not discussed yet on our podcast. And that's just, it's it's not obviously the most, it is, it's not the most pleasant thing, but, and I knew I eventually had to do a show on it why now is really because I'm getting more, more and more client. Like we always have clients going Mm -hmm. through a divorce at some point. Like we have, usually there's a client or two at some point going through a divorce that we're helping with. That's, that's normal. We have just obviously noticed in the last 24 months, which has been obviously quite stressful for everybody that definitely that has affected marriages. I've have seen that firsthand with friends, clients, so that's why I'm like, hey, enough's enough. I got to get something out here just because the same questions are coming in. So I thought it would be a good time to have a quick chat about this. Topic. All right. So so what are those questions and what can you as an advisor offer? Yeah. So I'll, I'll get into that and we'll go through a couple financial tips and stuff that for people that are just in the beginning stages of it. But I don't, I don't want to kill people with stats, but I, as I looked into this, we all know, like we hear that obviously the, the divorce rates are up. We know that, but I've never actually really dug right into the information. So I actually found some Canadian stats that I'll just start with because it does put some of this into perspective. So, so far, 40% of marriages in Canada end in divorce, which we all hear sometimes that it's about half. So it's not, it's actually 38% to be accurate. The average length of marriage in Canada is 13.8 years, which was actually longer than most countries, surprisingly. Um, that one is a little shocked about. Close to half the amount of couples are getting married now compared to the 1960s. So half the amount of people are getting married compared to 1960s, but the divorce rate is doubled. So less people getting wow. married, but the divorce rates doubled. So that was another one where yeah. I was like, wow. Now you have a lot of couples too that don't necessarily get married. So I don't know exactly the numbers there, but anyways, it gives you a pretty good idea. This wasn't a shock, but 68% of couples divorced are getting divorced due to financial issues. Hence why we're talking about that today. So as you can see from the numbers, it's fairly common to get divorced nowadays, unfortunately. And even though it's fairly common, it can be a little tough for these individuals to find resources on money management and divorce. Hence why our clients, we've been getting quite a few questions on this. And this is why we just want to go through a couple, like I said, tips to help people go through what they could be looking at in regards to their finances. So I'll start with a couple tips here. First one is 
getting trusted legal advice. Most people know that. A lot of times we'll see people kind of shy away from that initially and try and figure it out among themselves. Usually starts well <laughs> and then usually does not. Yeah, and, I, I uh, can see how it would deteriorate pretty quickly. Yeah. And then uh, I'll tell clients, like we've gone through this obviously a lot with clients. A lot of times the other individual will start getting advice from family and friends and feel like they're getting screwed over. And then you can see how that starts to snowball. So get, getting the trusted legal advice is the first step you want to take about uh, even in regards to your finances with divorce. Mm -hmm. So a good lawyer is going to help you understand, obviously, your rights, obligations. They'll even advise on some of the money management and divorce as well with your advisor, of course. And yes, there's a cost, but the whole point of this is it will help you make, help you avoid making costly financial mistakes. And then of course, it becomes even more important having a lawyer involved, obviously, when there's other things such as children is pretty huge, the matrimonial home, property, different of incomes, all that stuff. Here's something that a lot of people going through a divorce don't know. So we have access to quite a few lawyers. We have clients that are lawyers and I love to pick their brains. The advice I've been given from our clients that are lawyers is that when you are going through a divorce, that it is very important to get a specialist. So certified by the law society, you can actually just type in the law society of Ontario and actually look, look lawyers up. For divorce, you want to get a specialist. So basically these certifications, they're not easy to come by and not all lawyers have these. It's actually, when I was looking for this to information for the show and speaking to other clients, there's not a ton of family law specialists. They are out there, but there's not a ton. I'm so, surprised. I'm surprised yeah. at that. Well, it's not, an, the law, it's not an easy certification to get. Oh, okay. So any lawyer can practice family law or help with a divorce, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have, they're, they're a specialist Got in it. family law. Got it. Okay. And for people going through this, obviously you want a specialist. So you want a lawyer that specializes in the family law. And yes, it will most likely cost you more than a regular lawyer, but you're retaining a specialist. And because of that, in the long run, it's going to save you a lot of money and aggravation. So that was something important I definitely wanted to touch on because a lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. And of course, also it helps is, is speaking to anyone that you know that's gone through divorce and seeing how their lawyer was also is another resource. So next thing is separating the finances. If you start to feel that it, the marriage is starting to end, you want to start figuring out and separating finances pretty quick just to protect yourself. And also you want to be separating things because what people will tend to forget is you want to make sure that your individual credit score and financial situation is strong as a single person, because for joint credit cards or mortgages and all of that, you have been, a lot of times you're applying as a couple. So now you want to be doing that as an individual. And it's a good idea, like with joint bank accounts, to still keep them open, especially if you're paying joint household bills. You don't want things to start going unpaid because that will actually affect both your credit scores. Nah. So yeah. it, oh, Quick sorry, go ahead. Here, Chris. Um, talking about the credit cards, the joint credit card, what do you do about that? Do you close those? Do you uh, get off a joint card? I mean, what's the best thing to do there? 
Well, the best thing to do there is obviously get them paid off and then and close them. The only thing with that though, is you lose the credit score history on that credit card when you do that. So it's not such a simple black and white answer. And for a lot of couples, when they're going through this, it's easy for me as a financial advisor to say, yeah, just pay it off. But a lot of couples, they, they can't pay it off right away. So, and if that's the only credit card they have, or, or say one of them has their own, but the other only has the joint, you can see where you start to run into issues with that. So ideally the best is you have a joint credit card, but you've also had a single credit card throughout all this. And you have, you've been building up credit score and all that with that as well. The best thing is to pay off the joint credit card and close it as soon as you can. But if you don't have an individual credit card, then you have to keep that open because you need time to switch things over and still build credit on your own with your own individual credit card. Right. From the debt side of it, which we're talking about now at the credit cards, but you're also going to have lines of credits and mortgages. So it's also important to stay up to date on those payments once again, because you, this will, if you start defaulting on these payments or you guys are getting into arguments and one doesn't want to pay over the other and all that, which we've seen, it's unfortunately going to affect both your credit ratings. So you got to make sure that those are still being paid. At this time too, you don't want to be doing any large purchases or running up a line of credit saying, I'm going to show him or her, I'm going to go buy this, I'm going to go buy that, because that can start causing problems. Also on the other end of that though, is if the other party starts to do that, you want to make sure you're keeping track of all that. So gathering all the financial documents and keeping them all organized, which you're going to hear me say quite a few times today, because it's very important. We almost, we get clients to start keeping binders on stuff and just organizing this, keeping tabs on and track and dates on everything. So if extra debt or things have been added till after you guys have agreed or separation or any of that, it's just really important to keep track of it all. Uh, next thing is tracking cash flow. So spending, saving, all those money matters. There are some, as we mentioned, the very big key stressors in all marriages. Uh, as we, I mentioned at the, t- the beginning, that 68% of the couples is divorced because of finances. So if that's one of the major issues on the divorce in the first place, it's not getting any easier when you're about to separate. <laughs> no, no. And you're um, talking about those big binders. I can see that being a, a major part of this, tracking the cash flow. Yeah, no, for sure. And you want to make sure that you're going to be okay financially and tracking the money in and the money out. And it, so to start, in many of my previous episodes of podcasts, I've mentioned multiple times that on my website, top right corner, re- under the resource section, we have a cash flow sheet. Save that to your computer, print it off, whatever you want, and start tracking this right away to get an idea. Because you are going to be needing to work from this quite a bit in the next few months, next year or so to figure out how much can you afford on your own the mortgage payments, maybe you've only had one car or you need a different car because now the situation's changed. All those payments, you have to figure that out. And now for the first time in a long time, it's you're on your own. So you have to start figuring that out as an individual. And what is your website? Three hats, spelt out the word, threehatsfinancial.ca. Okay. That's where they can find us. Yeah. And what we see a lot in majority of couples actually whether they're stay married or divorced, doesn't matter, is a lot of times, and I can, we obviously as a financial advisor, you can pick it out pretty quick. You usually see one spouse that's more involved in the finances than the other. 
And that's just a normal thing. Whereas a partnership, one person is using their strengths and one will do other things. And one is usually in charge of the finances. Now there's some couples where it's, it's even, but majority that we see, there's one that's more involved than the other at different levels. So then, yes. So now that individual that maybe hasn't been involved in the finances as much is now on their own. And that's where they have to just learn how to now track their cash flow. And that's where this cash flow sheet will come into play. So that's basically the summary of the, the cash flow is just you got to start tracking it. What's coming in, what's going out, and you really got to figure that out now as an individual. All right, next big one is now making the housing decisions. So majority of, of couples married nowadays still, you own a home. And you're going to obviously have to make a decision about that on whether you sell it outright or if one's going to stay and one's going to go or what you're going to do around that. And then about how splitting the home sale proceeds and everything else. We're seeing this as a much bigger issue nowadays, just simply because the prices of houses have increased so much. Mm -hmm. So sure. Yes. You get to sell your house for more, but you're splitting it in half. So even with that, the higher sale price, we're still seeing now individuals going through this, that it's causing some more problems. And now that individual as well has to get a mortgage by themselves. And we're seeing right now significant delays on people applying for mortgages or increasing lines of credits. So to find that right fit home, usually these couples want to stay somewhere close, especially if there's kids, because that's where their activities and the kids' sports are. We're seeing it just, like I said, becoming more difficult as we're seeing clients go through divorce. So you need to start figuring that out right away. Now, a change that's happened that a lot of people don't know is there's a thing called the home buyer's plan where you can use up to $35,000 from your RSPs to borrow for a down payment on a house. Hmm. And you can pull that money out and it's tax-free. And yes, eventually you do have to pay it back, but it's over 15 years, so it's not significant. But it it helps first-time home buyers get an extra chunk of cash. So recently, there's been some significant changes to that. And that is that individuals now that have experienced a breakdown in marriage, separation, divorce, or split from common law partners, can now be considered a first-time home buyer and access this plan. And with that, you can actually even use the home buyer's plan if you want to stay in the same house and buy out your partner's share of the, mar- the former matrimonial home. Well, now that's a definite change. Yeah, it's just because of obviously the government realizing divorce rates going up and house right. prices becoming more expensive. Now, there is some very specific rules. I'm not going to go through all of them today because it's that would be a whole show on its own. But you need to look pretty deep into this when it regards to the rules. One major one is you need to be separate and apart from one another as a result of the breakdown for at least 90 days. And this is a big change because under the previous criteria, individuals who separated, they wouldn't have qualified for this. They would have had to wait over four years before they could actually be considered a first-time home buyer. So these changes actually just came in effect in 2020. And a lot of people don't realize that. The Another thing too is that a point I will make on this is that you can't leave your spouse, move in with the new boyfriend or girlfriend in their home, and now go and take the first time home buyers plan out. That doesn't count. <laughs> you got to 
be on your own and have your own place. You can't move into somebody else's house and then try and still pull that money out. And as I mentioned, there is some complex rules and timing requirements involved around this. So it is important to make sure you're tracking dates with respect to the divorce or separation, Mm -hmm. as well as like the date of the transfer of the interest in the home, the matrimonial home, if applicable. And uh, yeah, so that's definitely a new rule to help people going through divorce. Oh, also too, uh, one last thing is just be prepared. There will be expenses as you do try to get one or one of you off the mortgage or the title of the house. There's going to be obviously legal fees and preparation and new mortgage documents and all that stuff. So just be aware of that. Now, do you have to refi completely to do that? To for to, to buy out buy out your your ex. Yeah, you have to go through it's a whole you have to go through a whole new mortgage because that mortgage was based on your two incomes and credit scores and everything else. So now you're doing it as, a, as a completely as an individual. So it's a whole new mortgage application, everything else. And the fees associated with it. To pull one off and everything yep. else. Yeah. Yep. And then of course, obviously the mortgage brokers know this better than I do, but that is the case. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about next? The agreement uh, itself? Yeah. Basically the, the good old separation and divorce agreement that the lawyer is going to help you guys create. Not a ton to touch on this because obviously that's why you're paying the lawyer to do it. But I will tell you, we all know that lawyers, they, they are expensive, um, but, but you need them and there's value and there's definitely value in having them. Mm-hmm. So if, because they charge hourly and, and, and that you want to make sure that you are very organized once again with the binders and have everything organized because the more details you can provide them and the easier it is for them to go through everything with you, the easier it is to write up the agreement. And that means less time on their end, which means less out of your pocket. So the more organized you can be in regards to collecting all of this and and that, the better off you will be. Because once again, it's going to save you money when it's going to save you some of the hours and getting this organized if you already have everything kind of clear and organized. Right. And just going to cut down the communication, the back and forth. Um, next one is, oh boy, do I have. Beneficiaries. Wow. I could, I could do a, <laughs> I could do a reality show on what we've seen over the last 15 plus years in, in some of this. So updating your insurance and financial beneficiaries, it can be overlooked a lot of times because there obviously is a whole bunch of other things going on. However, what we've had people that the opposite that every time they have a fight with their significant other, they want to change, they're not divorced or separating, but they have an argument, they want to change their beneficiaries. So you don't need to do it that much, but definitely when you're separating and everything else, uh, you absolutely want to look at this. We've all heard the stories of individuals passing away and the ex getting entitlement to something they should not have due to the will or beneficiaries just simply not being changed. So we obviously don't want that happening. You're going to have to contact your lawyer who you're going to be speaking with anyways and get them to change your will for the life insurance and everything else. You're going to have to contact the insurance companies. Sometimes through these agreements though, we do have to put life insurance in place for one of the individuals or or both because they need to have life insurance um, as part of the agreement because of child support or anything else like that. So that's actually relatively common. We do see that. Tax-free savings accounts, pension, RSPs, Liras, all that stuff. You got to change the beneficiaries on that 
in our annual meetings, I'm, I'm always confirming the beneficiaries just because over the years we've had some interesting cases where benefit, the benefit, someone would pass away and like some clients aren't as engaged as others. So some you, you don't talk to for a while and all of that. And then all of a sudden you hear that they pass away and then the beneficiaries have been checked. It's just, you wouldn't think it's necessarily who it should be. If, <laughs> <laughs> and those are always, it's obviously confidential. So when a family member or someone's calling, you can't tell them who the beneficiary is. It has to all go through the insurance company, everything else, but it's been interesting because sometimes you're looking at the name of the beneficiary and you're like, whew, I would not want to be <laughs> in, in that, that family lawyer meeting <laughs> because that is definitely not who they think it is. But it, everyone has the right to leave what, what they want with whoever they want to a certain degree. Obviously, there's spouses and stuff with registered assets. It has to go to them. But yeah, so it's, it's just been very interesting over the years. So I'm going to just definitely touch on that to make sure that that stuff's updated. You know, it's it, uh, probably, as you say, people are allowed to leave whatever they want to whomever they wish. However, it, it makes sure it's the person... It really is that person. Make sure you update the beneficiaries. That's why we review it annually because we'll we'll have refer like when we have new clients come in, I'll refer the beneficiaries because then we get the statements and everything transfers over. I'm like, okay, so here and they're like, there are some of them are just blown away. They're like, are you kidding me? I thought that was changed, and I'm like, nope. Here's the statement. You can clearly see who the beneficiary is. And I, we've had some people like, oh my goodness, I just I assume that was changed. I can't tell you how many times we've had, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. So really, really important to make sure that, <laughs> yeah, you go through all that. All right. That's pretty much really it. One thing I do want to add is financial advisors are big resources here. Now for us, this is a big part of, this is actually not divorce, but being a resource for our clients through all of this, it's a huge transition. We have a few clients going through it literally right now. And I just tell them that when you're going through a transition, you're going to be in touch a lot more with your advisor or us because any transition, and I've had other podcasts where I mentioned you're going to go through quite a few in your lifetime. Divorce is definitely a big one. You're going to be using these resources more than you need to, or sorry, more than you usually do. Mm -hmm. So you want to be contacting them. I tell my clients when they're going to start in this, the initial, because we're usually one of the first to find out literally, like even before the family or anything else. And I tell them, call me, text me. I don't care if it's an evening or a weekend. I just want to make sure that you have a new me as a resource. And some of these clients, they've called on a Saturday night, just nothing to do with the finances, just to vent, cry, whatever they need to, just to be able to have this neutral resource to kind of lean on. And I personally, that's why I feel is one of the best parts of my job because like they don't, the friends are gonna are gonna most likely slam and and say not very nice things about the ex. Probably the family sometimes as well. So it's just very nice. I like being that neutral resource, just being there for them to lean on when they need. So use your resources for that when you're going through this transition, because like I said, it's a huge one, and you want to make sure that you have someone to, to vent or speak to. And I always tell them that personally, I've probably gone through this stage of my career, I would honestly guess probably close to a hundred divorces with clients over the years. Like it would probably be that many. And so through that, you obviously you learn 
And it's a, we're just, it's a good resource to have for someone because most times this is the first time they've ever gone through it. Right. Right. All right, Chris, how can people contact you? You mentioned your website earlier, but please tell us again and tell us about any other ways to get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, through the website, there's a contact form. You can actually even schedule a meeting right with me as well, too. It's threehatsfinancial.ca, Facebook group page, LinkedIn, all the regular sources we have that you can easily get a hold of us through that. All right. Chris Duro, thanks so much. This was really a very enlightening podcast, Chris. <laughs> and for all you listeners, be sure to follow this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, to know when the latest episode is ready. You never know when it may have information you need and share with family and friends. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.